Speaking of sunshine, joining me now, my good friend, Mr. Al Butt. Hey, good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, thanks for thanks for listening, you know, and I'm not listening to the birds. I listen to KMSU, and why? You know, KMSU rocks, rolls, raps, yodels, twangs, polkas, headbangs, strums, talks, and teaches, and you can't get it anywhere else. So we appreciate you very, very much. Um, my wife said... Uh, she's looking at your flowers and things, Karen, and she says she's sorry you have the inability to raise uh, a good crop of dandelions. So uh, she just, and also she said to be sure to tell you, may the fourth be with you. Oh, thank you very much. May the fourth be with you as well, and and happy belated May Day to you, Al. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's a, uh, uh, it's a. It's just a beautiful day out there again. Uh, the, I have the flitting of cabbage white butterflies now. The oh, first those little butterflies. Those, yeah, those are I the see. ones that the lay the little and the green little worms come on your cabbages. They and things. are. Yeah. And there's a lot of them out there now. The first bird ones I see maybe that come out of a that we like seeing that I see coming out of a chrysalis will be little tiny blue ones, spring azures, and we'll probably be seeing those if we're not seeing them already real soon. And uh, folks have been out walking around and probably seeing darting dragonflies. And the first I see each spring are the common green darners and the variegated meadowhawks. So those are two. They're like long-lost friends when I see them. If you're walking where there's any ferns now, you'll see a lot of fiddleheads. They're these tightly coiled tips of ferns, and they're named for their resemblance to the curled decoration at the end of a stringed instrument. I'm sure there's a name for that other than the curled decoration, but that's how much I know about it. I have been, like a lot of people, out turning over rocks, so to speak, just walking around looking at things. Uh, spotted sandpipers were numerous along the edge of Freeborn Lake. My father called them teeter snipe. And I know uh, some people, the, the dictionaries say either snipe or snipes uh, is okay for a plural, but boy, teeter snipes just sounds wrong. But they bob. They have this habit of bobbing. Uh, Forster's turns, they make this QR call, and they seem to come from all directions. The mud flats along uh, Freeborn Lake were filled with pectoral sandpipers and both species, lesser and greater yellow legs. I walked with Bob Jansen of uh, Golden Valley, Minnesota. Bob is the godfather of Minnesota birding, and I'm just happy to have him as a friend. We watched a Cooper's hawk. And the, the Cooper's hawk is a chicken hawk of my youthful years when I tried to make millions by raising exotic breeds of small chickens. And they, these, there was a pair of Cooper's hawks, and they took turns harassing three turkey vultures with menacing flight maneuvers and a lengthy series of cack, cack, cack calls. The poor turkey vulture, he's just trying to find something dead on the ground somewhere, and I think he was looking at some carp that he might be eating. But the uh, the Cooper's hawk deemed him, deemed him a threat to territory. I had one in my yard. It was on the ground, hiding in the tangles and hoping to ambush a bird. So Cooper's hawks are, are known to do that, to get down the ground, just hide, and they'll jump out at a poor little bird and grab him.
Did you see in um, the, the free press this morning, I don't know if you get it or not, but... Uh, I do. Ac- actually, Joe Spear had a picture of three turkey vultures. You mentioned them uh, sitting on fence posts in a row with their, their wings outspanned, and he said maybe that was because the they were alerted or, or frightened by the photographer coming toward them. And it says uh, the Bethany Hawkwash website operated by Bethany Lutheran College shows an unusually heavy spring migration for all kinds of raptors in the Mankato area. So far this spring, the Hawkwash counted 754 turkey vultures in the area compared with 594 last spring and 320 in the, the year of uh, spring of 2019. So I wonder what that's all about. They just had a good year, I guess. Oh, okay. Uh, I uh, was at uh, Land of Memories yesterday, uh, wandering around with my bride, and uh, it's that's a beautiful place. I love that. And we went out to Minneopa, of course, and looked at the buffalo because that's an obligation now for folks. There are a lot of people out there looking at the buffalo, so it's nice to see. And then Williams Park out there is just a, a really, it's a gem that I don't know if if people get out there much. Uh, but that pose they make is called a heraldic pose. H-O-R-A-L-T-I-C, if I'm, uh, if I'm remembering right. And they do that a lot. Uh, it's, uh, why do they do that? Well, they dry their wings, they warm their body, and some scientists believe that if they can find the sun, they bake off bacteria. Because you think oh. of what vultures are eating? Yeah. They're going to get some bacteria. They're gonna, who knows what all they're getting there. <laughs> So uh, you need to get out there, and if you can get out in the sun, and they're a, a black bird, so they uh, draw in the heat into those feathers. So uh, drying the wings, warming the body, and baking off the bacteria is the primary reason they're doing that. They, uh, I, I say this often, they're one of my favorite birds. They just do, they do wonderful things out there, uh, taking things off the roads that we don't want on the roads. Uh, this morning when I went down, took the mail down, there's uh, whistling white-throated sparrows. Uh, the yard is a whistle-a-thon, I guess would be the right way to put it. Um, purple finches and pine siskins seem to be thinning out here. We had large flocks of both these guys coming through. The pine siskins, I love their tameness. They just, I walk out there and they just kind of look at me like, what's up with you, buddy? I have uh, one, I had one eastern towhee here, but it left, and again, they were called rufous-sided towhees for many years. I named a dog towhee because it matched the colors. They are this beautiful black, brown, and white birds, and when I was a boy, we called them ground robins, again, for no apparent reason. Well, I know the reason, because adults called them ground robins, and that's why I did. I watch pelicans fish communally on a lake. Uh, The birds in the back of the feeding group, they would fly to the front to get a better place in the buffet line. So the pelicans kind of leapfrogged as they fished across the lake. And folks, as you drive around, it's impossible to ignore the chartreuse color of weeping willows. Mm -hmm. Man, they're just, uh, they're exquisite. They just jump right out at you. I watched a red-tailed hawk dive from on high at a northern harrier hunting close to the ground. There was no contact, but the harrier fled the scene, and I think that was a really good idea on that bird's part. 
Talking about the willow, you know, willow bark has been used as a traditional medicine for headaches and toothaches. Uh, just a pinch between cheek and gum, like they used to say about, I don't know what that was, skull or something. An active agent within the willow bark is salicin, which later formed the basis of aspirin. And right, I, I got a nice note from Karen Wright, right after the show last week, Merlene Stiles. What a sweet lady. Merlene is, uh, from Austin, called in to say she'd seen a hummingbird that had been on Tuesday, April 26th. Is that one of the uh, earlier she, ones? Because I guess I had It is. Okay, so she's yeah. one of the, the winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> and she'd win the brand new Buick, but I think we gave that away oh, already. So, boy, it's just so close. I just... I always feel bad. I wish we had more than 17 or 18 of them to give away, you know, but you run out of them. Uh, Cindy Drill of North Mankato says she had a large flock of pine siskins. She was treated to a steady stream of broadwing hawks moving northerly almost directly over her backyard. The skies were overcast and the birds were primarily colorless against the gray skies, but she was able to see a white tail band on some flying lower than the rest. So the parade went on for almost a half hour with small breaks between groups. I gave up attempting to count them, although that would have been fun to know. Yesterday I saw pelicans overhead around noon, but so far have not landed in a water body near me to get to see them closer. Uh, Millie Westland of Hayward said the first purple martins came back to her uh, nesting or nest houses on April 16th. Mary Gugisberg of Freeborn saw a Baltimore Oriole on April 28th. Pamela Bruceman said I spied a Phoebe hawking insects. I did so on the wing from a as yet mostly still bare branches in the Hardwoods Ravine next to my house. For those who care about such things, trout lilies are just beginning to bloom, and columbine will be shortly. Honeysuckle vines are growing. Food is coming in for the hummingbirds. Uh, Kent Spellman of Albert Lee said uh, there's an interesting article about the 17-year cicadas in the Washington Post. And there's a video presentation with it as to how the cicadas hatch will impact you, your pet, and your summer. Um, yeah, it'll be loud out there. Again, we don't get the 17-year ones here, so we get the annual or the dog dog day cicada for the most part. You know, uh, when my you mentioned cicadas, when my son Grant was younger, uh, he, for some reason, had a fascination with those cicada shells, and we used to go to every single park. He went to every single tree, and when I say every single one in a park, I'm not exaggerating, <laughs> and he would have like a Tupperware-type plastic bucket and he would take them whether they were just coming out of their shell they just came out of their shell they hadn't yet come out or just the shells and I'll never forget the one time when he brought a bucket of them home and all of a sudden I heard in the kitchen I heard I'm like what are you doing he dumped all probably 250 or so of them out on the table on the kitchen table (laughs) He, I said, well, oh, what are you doing? God. He said, well, I just want to see if there's any ones that are, like, hatching or alive. And sure enough, there was some crawling movement among all those uh, casings or shells. Or what do you say? So uh, I have had my share of um, cicadas in my home. Just, uh, yeah. And he doesn't, he still is fascinated with them, but uh, he doesn't collect as many. And uh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> They are really cool when you find them on a tree, these oh. exoskeletons. It's uh, it's like there's 
the insect is still there, but there's nobody home. Yeah. And and I know as a kid, I'd pick them up, uh, the ones that come out and hold them in my hand, and they'd buzz like one of those uh, <laughs> joy buzzers that yeah. they always had in the comic books that you put in your hand. I never had one, but you shake hands with somebody else, and it gives them this shocking buzz. And they, that's how they were in your hand. So they're really cool insects. Well, when he when uh, he started kindergarten, Al, he uh, when we were going to the school, you know, this is a big deal for him since you know he's on the autism spectrum, and we have to introduce him to things slowly, so he gets used to it and of course going to kindergarten we brought him before it started so he'd have a chance to get used to the school and the teacher and while we were going in he found a cicada a live one and of course it was buzzing and he was so proud we went in to see the teacher and I don't think I've seen a teacher so freaked out by such a large because they're not small and so he was showing her and she was trying to feign you know interest in everything because you know here's this kid that's fascinated with them and all of a sudden it flew out of it he he was trying you know showing her how it could buzz when you held it a certain way and it yeah. flew out of his hand and was somewhere in the room and you should have seen the look on her face uh, oh. I, I think she was thinking oh my gosh this thing is now loose in my room and of course we didn't catch it but you know with a little education for the teacher <laughs> yeah and uh, I I like them I, I like them much more than I do they multi colored Asian lady oh, beetles. I, yeah. I hate to dislike anything, but uh, it, it, I had, I was shopping with my wife and I'm, you know, I kind of shuffle my feet and drag <laughs> myself around and avoid eye contact and try to be, Invisible. I try to station myself by the cart or staring at something on a shelf that would look <laughs> good. You know, if you died while looking at the shelf, they'd say, well, he was looking at, he was in the health food aisle so you know that's the way he would have wanted to go and i had uh oh this is oh, i'm gonna say it anyway i had a multicolored asian lady beetle that had crawled down in my shorts uh, oh, no. from, and yeah so you know what do you do there finally my wife came back and i said i, I have to go to the bathroom and it, it was an emergency to get rid of this multicolored asian lady beetle and when he escaped. I'm sure it was a relief for him as it was for me because it just wasn't good. So that was, that's, that's probably why I'm not a good shopper, things like that. <laughs> right. uh, oh, Peggy funny. Swenson of Albert Lee said, today, May 1st, saw the first Baltimore Oriole, first barn Ooh. swallows, first hummingbird, and had rose-breasted gross beaks uh, on Wednesday before May 1st. What a show. Uh, Martha Kofstad of New Richland, yellow-headed blackbird. She said the first one she'd ever seen in her yard, and oh, they are so beautiful. Uh, Cindy Drills of North Mankato said she also saw two house or Harris's sparrows with the white-throated, uh, a few uh, house finches, a catbird called yesterday from the neighbor's lilacs, a steady warble from house wrens, saw three male orioles in the trees at Spring Lake Park in North Mankato. I, oh, I like that park. Uh, the oxbow at Hineker Pond had several wood ducks, a couple of blue-winged teal. Canada geese had their babies on the water with them. Yeah, a lot of goslings out there now. She... Uh, Great blue heron and a kingfisher on the same walking route. Uh, male ruby throat hummingbird yesterday. Indigo bunting in the backyard platform feeder also yesterday. Uh, Cheryl Holland had a male oriole. I believe it was on May 2nd in Blue Earth. 
Uh, Diedrich Benz had a Bob Link and a Black Neck Stilt in uh, Steele County. Bob Williams had a Redneck Fallow Rope and a Sanderling in Sibley County. Uh, Bob also had an American Red Start in Nicollet County. Uh, good friend Tom Bovers. He had an American Red Start, Northern Parula, or Parula, whichever way you want to say it, Black Throated Green and Wilson's Warbler in Rice County. Chad Hines had an American Avocet in Watnawan County. Boy, Chad does a lot of good things for mm-hmm. with all the Hawk, hawk Watch and He's just a good guy. That teaches at Bethany. Uh, Doug Keezer, I talked to Doug the other day, he had a stilt sandpiper at Watton County, also a cerulean warbler at Seven Mile Creek in Nicollet County. And that's one of my favorite places. And, Doug, when I, when I think of Seven Mile Creek, I think of the many times I've gone over there for one basic purpose, and that was to see a cerulean warbler. Uh, David Neitzel saw an American Avocent in Freeborn County. Samuel Retz saw a great crested flycatcher in Faribault County. Sharon Holzer, a Swainson thrush in Faribault County. And Wayne Fetter, a black-throated green in a warbler in Faribault County. Tom Earhart of Albert Lee says, where are my goldfinches? Uh, Tom, goldfinches are nomadic by nature, and they prefer to feed as a group. So that's why people say, I I don't have any, or I've never seen so many goldfinches in my life. So if there's a low level of food in there, and maybe just a bottom perch on a feeder is all that's available, they might not be so likely to be there. If you have one so at least two of them can feed there, you're more likely to get them because they like company when they eat. And check the seed for dampness after some rain. So shake the feeder to make sure the seed is dry and loose. And then smell the seed for mustiness. So if you can smell that musty, they're not going to eat it. And your dandelions, somebody just asked, is the dandelion native to Minnesota? No, no. it's uh, it originated in Europe and Asia. And how to get here? Well, European settlers brought the dandelions to America, boy, probably in the mid-1600s. Boy, remember those? Those were the days. They <laughs> cultivated dandelions as food sources and for medicinal uses. So, uh, again, so many of the things that... Uh, seem to cause us problems, we bring them here. Uh, we've talked a number of times, probably most often in the winter, and why, why do the feeders get so busy before a storm? It's an amazing thing. Birds have an inborn barometer, and storms are associated with falling pressure, so birds have difficulty getting food during a storm. It's just... Their local high V closes when there's a storm. So the sooner they know a storm is coming, the more time they have to fuel up. So they can get out there and shop and get a lot of food. And so that's uh, that's why they feed. And I noticed uh, when uh, we had a lot of thunder and lightning here the other day, the feeders were really busy before that, too. So they were trying to beat the rain. Uh, I get this question a couple times every year, and I'm an old chicken raiser, so uh, I've dealt with this myself. What would eat the heads of chickens? The primary suspects are owls and raccoons. Owls are really good at it. Wait a minute. They only eat the heads and that's it? They don't eat the rest? 
they will really? on sometimes, yeah. You know, other candidates, i got to throw them in, cats, hawks, dogs, foxes, coyotes. But the head of the chicken, think of it if you're an owl and uh, or a hawk, because chickens are out during the daytime, so very often hawks will get them during the day. If an owl can get them at them during the night, they will certainly get them. But owls hunt primarily at night, so I'll throw that in. It depends on when the chicken's head is dispatched as to what kind of bird it would be. But let's say you're a, a hawk up there, and you look down, and there's a chicken. Well, that head of a chicken is an easy target. That's what's pointing up at you. Boom, you go down. And then the brain is high in protein and essential fats. So you want to eat the brain because that's good for you. And if you're kind of in a hurry because you're a hawk and somebody might not be happy with you taking one of their chickens, so the head can be carried away when the whole chicken is too heavy. So these happen. We used to have raccoons would do it. I talked to people, I remember one year, and I don't remember the name of the folks, which is probably all right. They had caged chickens that they were getting ready to take to the fair. And they were, I think, trying to get the chickens used to being in the cages so they'd be better at the fair. And a raccoon came and, of course, pulled the head through the hole and took the head. So it was a sad business for the chicken. What a terrifying thing. But... Yeah, so there's a number of things that will do that. Uh, folks will call me each year about a headless rabbit in their yard, and I, I usually oh. tell them that they, it, did they know any mobsters, uh, <laughs> any mafia affiliations? It might be a sign because they couldn't afford a headless or the head of a horse, so they just uh, be had a rabbit out there. But it's the same thing. And rabbits, it's usually an owl because they're working the same shift. Yeah. I wanted to talk about something removing heads as well, and this is a problem Barb Lampson had, and I'm seeing a lot on my garden groups that I belong to on the the, uh, Facebook. Uh, A lot of folks are losing just the tops of their tulips. They're not necessarily being eaten. It's just that they're chewed off and they're left to lay there. And um, a lot of people on the Facebook groups, Minnesota Gardeners group, are calling the squirrels jerks. They're thinking it's the squirrels. And <laughs> why would they? And Barb asked me this. She brought in a top of a, a tulip that had bloomed, you know, so it was just the, the bloom. And it was beautiful, but it was, you know, just at the tip, uh, but the, at the top of the, the stem. So why do they do that? They don't eat it. They just chew it off and leave it lay. Are they just being jerks? Yeah, that's it. They uh, they've had it with us pretty much as as humans, and they uh, they say, "Boy, this is this really seems to tick them off." Yeah, it could uh, certainly be that. Uh, I don't know what they'd be getting out of it. I I don't think tulips are a, a good thing to be eaten. Probably, I I don't know a lot of things that would eat it, but uh, I don't know squirrels, rabbits. But why, though? Why do they just, I mean, rabbits usually you can tell because they've got like a 45-degree angle with their teeth. These are just snipped off square, which is why people think it's squirrels, I guess. You blame the squirrels for everything. Yeah, and uh, you could also probably throw deer, groundhogs, chipmunks uh, all in there, too. Uh, But why? Why is the question why if they don't eat it? I, you know, I think it's just a case of vandalism, little juvenile delinquents, probably. <laughs> they, I'm sure they, because you don't see the, 
the, the, so all the flower heads are there. They're not taken away. In in most cases, that's what people are saying. Or they're, yeah, they're just like gone, or they're just um, laying there. A lot of times, they just and somebody said they're now they're moving on after my tulips are moving on to my daffodils. Yeah, because I've heard from people that have had poppies. Oh, something will chew the poppies. You know, oh, I love poppies. They're such beautiful things. I and. Folks, if you live around uh, water or something where there's Canada geese, they will also do that. And Canada geese will come up and just kind of, I don't know, I raise geese. And they would come up sometimes. I had to fence in pretty much everything because they would come up and just kind of nibble on things. And I think they were just tasting it maybe because oh. they're grass eaters. So they would nibble on it for a while, and then they go, man, I'm not going to eat that. But by that time, the poor flower had tipped over, and it looked uh, just pitiful. And uh, I don't know why they would do it. Because they're jerks, Uh, I I guess. (laughs) That's that's the only answer. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, a lot of things are out there just trying things. Okay. And you shouldn't have a lot of young squirrels but there could be some i suppose out there now that would be out there saying i'm going to sample this and ew i don't like that and well this one's a different color maybe i'll try this one so i wish i had an answer for you I well don't. it's a common but, one apparently that and i this year for the first time i haven't had my tulips be demolished like they you know they usually chew the buds just as they're coming up etc i've been used in a product called deer defeat And I saw it when I was online on one of those virtual Wisconsin horticultural um, expos because you can't go in person, so it's online, and then they had a vendor. So I thought I'd try this. So that has worked for me this year, you know, but how animals can get used to something and it may be not next year. But so far, it's it's been successful for me. So I I guess uh, that worked for me this year. Next year, who knows? Yeah, and and I imagine that's something you have to re- Apply. Replenish oh. each, yeah, each time it rains or you get a heavy dew or anything like that. Exactly. I've been very diligent from the start when they first started coming up because that way they, they, they don't see like, oh, there's a buffet. They'll be like, oh, that place was gross. And hopefully by reapplying it is what I keep doing is that they'll just realize that my place tastes gross. <laughs> Well, I hope they quit. The only problem I've ever had uh, raising tulips out on the farm, deer would come in and eat them. Oh, mm-hmm. but but they eat pretty much anything. So, but they ate them. Uh, they didn't just chew them off. They ate them. So I don't know. It, maybe it's some kind of competition between the squirrels to see who can uh, do the most damage in the tulip world. But I I hope they will uh, quit. You know, a lot of chipmunks and squirrels and things like to eat buds of various plants because there's um, there's wholesome things in there for them. So they'll eat buds on trees and um, things growing in the garden. So, But, uh, boy, these are well past budding, so I don't know. They're just, um, I don't know, they just want you to know that, you know, we never really liked you anyway, so now we're going to eat your tulips or chew them off. But. So I got a letter from our friend John, one of the nicest letters I think I've ever received. Uh, it's from John, oh. our friend in New Ulm. He says, I don't make a lot of money this year, of course, because he worked in the movie theater and it was closed most of the time but he enclosed uh, a a donation for your show for the pledge drive and he said for reading my joke 
texts and sending me a song even when I don't request one. Thank you. And just very, very, very nice, John. Thank you so much. Uh, and he also included two Pokemon cards for each of my kids, which was really sweet. Oh, cool. And John says his sister is now going through radiation for about a month, and uh, his dad's doing okay with all his problems. He tries to see him and help him a lot. He says, I feel like a yo-yo on a 110-mile string going to Andover and back to New Ulm. It's not often I have time to write letters and postcards. So that was very nice that he sent this. Plus, uh, you know, a, a nice donation. That we know that uh, times are tough for many people, and that just means a lot to us, John. And so we uh, wish his sister well, too. Apparently her birthday's coming up as well. So uh, wishing her happy birthday. And, and thanks, John, for, for thinking of us. We always And he has a new slogan for my show. If it's Minnesota morning, you're at the right place. There you go. So thanks, John. I got my new you slogan. Can't go wrong with right. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's here's a... well, I wanted to say one more. He just drank a two ounce thing for two dollars for immunity. It was ginger plus cayenne pepper question mark. He says, I didn't know it would be so hot in my mouth and throat. I hope my stomach doesn't melt overnight. He says, <laughs> I won't get that again. Next time I'll put it in my gas tank to clean the fuel injectors. <laughs> I love it. And and I like ginger. So, and some of that, uh, yeah, some of the stuff you get, the, the ginger products, it might have, have been a little the, heat with uh, it. Oh, well, it could have been the cayenne pepper that he thought was in there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure that would be it. Yeah, I'm going to avoid uh, ginger. I, I like ginger, but I think I'll avoid the cayenne pepper stuff. And, John, I wish all good things for you, your your sister, and your dad. So it's just uh I think about, he was talking about what life is like. There was somebody once upon a time that said having kids is like having a bowling alley uh, put in your brain. And I think that probably applies to a lot of other things. Um, Hey, everybody, thanks for sitting on the front porch with us. Um, When I was a boy, well, one of my jobs was to hold the light and to run and get a wrench of a specific size as my father did emergency repairs on some mechanical thing. And I repeated that wrench retrieval process until I'd garnered the correct size. Dad would say, I think it's a three-eighth, so I'd come back with a half inch. (laughs) You know, it's just one of those things you just say, because you think you're smarter than your dad, and of course you're not. But I was a gregarious golfer, a fine fetcher, and a terrific toter. But one day, after many miscues wherein the wrong wrench insisted on jumping into my hand, and I had no need in those days to count my steps, I walked the entire toolbox of wrenches to the repair site. It was quite a hike, but I I carried the whole thing, plopped it down, and my father smiled because he'd taught me to use my head instead of my feet, and it actually worked. Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past, and KMSU is well worth supporting, so we appreciate all of you. Thank you, John, for your support. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your fine company. And do something wild today, folks. Get out there and look at a bird and uh, send uh, send a little bit of uh, money to KSU because we need to keep it going. Great. I appreciate you, Al. Thanks so much. And if you appreciate the Al Bat Show, let's show your support by uh giving us a pledge just give us a call and thank you i will be back with you next week thanks Karen. all right bye. bye-bye that's right it is pledge drive time and if you enjoy al bat he's been doing it for 
over well over 30 years now and it's been such a joy to have him on the show and just share his wealth of knowledge and, and his wit and wisdom and uh, as we said if that's something you appreciate and want us to keep doing such great programming like that support this radio station k 